Welcome to Peace Talks, a production of the Center for Formation, Justice, and Peace, led by Vanessa Sadler and special guest, Susie Lin. Hey everyone, welcome to Peace Talks, brave conversations about formation, justice, and peace. Today's conversation is with Curtis Zachary, a speaker, author, and pastor. CZ's passion and enthusiasm for rest and Sabbath is so inspiring. Our conversation digs deep into what Sabbath means for all created beings. We trust that you will get as much out of your time with CZ as we did. CZ, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you with us. Excited to be here. Hey, we'd love to start out with a couple of free association questions. Just fun things to get us going. All right. (laughs) If you would, tell us what you had for breakfast today. Today, I had a Lara bar and some coffee. Is that like a standard? Uh, Pretty regularly. Not a heavy breakfast guy, but um, sometimes I'll break out of that. What's your favorite Lara bar? It's a big argument in our family. Peanut butter cookie. Really? Backups all day. Yes. (laughs) We we are an apple pie family. Yeah, too sweet. I need to keep it (laughs) in the middle of the road. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Second question. What are you not good at? Man, I am not good at (laughs) self-promotion at all. (laughs) Uh, I'm really not good at um, at building and making when it comes to uh, promoting my own ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's both uh, a challenge and just a part of who I am, but it is what it is. Such a (laughs) catch-22 when you're in the space of writing and putting ideas that are so, so good out there. So. Oh man. (laughs) Thank you. And last but not least, what is your current indulgence? Indulgence. Oh, you know what? Uh, I just uh, started watching the show lost again. Oh, nice. (laughs) All right. I watched it whenever, you know, that was however many years ago. And uh, I told a friend about it and I wanted to just, you know, see it first couple of episodes just to make sure, like, it, did it still hold up? I started watching it again, and the most incredible gift in the world was given to me. I cannot remember anything. Oh, so wow. I'm watching it for the first time, and it is unreal. Are you watching it with your boys? No, they're not there yet. We're, okay. we're uh, eight and four. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, that's, that's bad dreams waiting to happen. Right yeah. There. Awesome. Well, thanks for playing the game. I appreciate you. No doubt. <laughs> I don't really think I had much choice, but you're <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. None whatsoever. All right. Well, CZ, tell us how you're spending your days the, these days. Like what makes up all, you do a lot of interesting things. So what makes up the work that you do? Yeah, I think it's uh, variable mm-hmm. uh, from week to week, uh, a lot of times from day to day. Uh, I get to spend a lot of time with people opening the word, sharing cups of coffee, a lot of conversation. Uh, but the reason for that might vary uh, at different times. Uh, most of my time is spent uh, walking alongside people who are dealing with burnout, disillusionment, uh, people who are spiritually depleted, mm-hmm. uh, getting to spend a lot of time talking to staff teams, uh, boards, uh, and vocational ministry teams uh, so that they can find sustainability and health and wholeness in their work. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's, 
kind of variable from day to day, but that's most of uh, what I give my time to. That's awesome. That's so interesting. I bet. Are you finding that you're um, busier at this point in time just because of the landscape of vocational ministry? And I, I mean, I heard a, I can't tell you the number of on the statistic that I heard recently, but, you know, a lot of people in vocational ministry, either they want to quit or just walk away altogether. Yeah, the statistics are really uh, extraordinary when you look at every sphere of ministry life and not just uh, pastors, but even people who are serving in uh, executive director positions of nonprofits Mm -hmm. who are doing ministry work. It's just really hard. So, yeah, I would say I'm appropriately full. (laughs) I try not to uh, ever really be busy, to be honest, but uh, I try to keep a regular rhythm. Uh, But, yes, this season definitely represents a lot of opportunity to be able to have conversations with Mm -hmm. folks uh, in the landscape uh, that we find ourselves in, for sure. So needed. Well, in your book, Soul Rest, I'm going to quote you here. You say, to dig into Sabbath is to shape your life, the people, the calendar, the disciplines, to shape them around the idea that obeying God is a marathon, not a sprint. And this marathon has scheduled rest stops that will guarantee you finish in one piece. Would you give us uh, your best case for why every human needs a Sabbath? Well, first of all, that was a deep cut right there. That was a quote I probably haven't thought of that since I wrote it down. <laughs> in the book, but, uh, yeah, I think it's so imperative for us to understand that God created humanity with a rhythm of Sabbath in mind. You know, it says in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, the creation account, God's making everything, he's speaking it, comes into existence, it says he forms the human breathes life into his nostrils. And then in Genesis chapter two, verses two through three, three times it says, God rested from the work that he had done. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really interesting because I think about that as somebody who's just a simple human being. And I ask the question, well, why would God have to rest at all? If he's God, he doesn't need rest. He can just tell us we're supposed to rest. And then it says in Exodus 31, verse 17, Uh, that God rested and he was refreshed. So that even deepens (laughs) the plot for me. I'm going, wait a minute. Not only did he rest, but there was something that was so refreshing that it was refreshing to God himself. Mm. And it goes back to those two verses early in Genesis when it says that he rested from the work that he had done. He looks back on everything that he made with his hands and he said, it is good. It is finished. It's enough. He was satisfied. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes on later on to tell the human beings that he created. uh, It's a sign forever that for six days they should labor. On the seventh day, they should do the same thing, that they should stop Mm -hmm. to recognize the work that they do with their hands, put that aside to remember the work that could only be done by the hand of God alone. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a reflection of where God found his rest. But some people might say, but isn't that an Old Testament uh, sentiment? Like, what does that have to do with today? Well, if you fast forward in the New Testament, Jesus is bloody, beaten on a cross for sins that he didn't commit. He takes on the penalty 
from the human beings that they couldn't pay themselves. There's a work that he did on the cross that could only be done by his hand alone. And he, right before he dies, says, it is finished. And what is that? It's the work that only he could do. And after that comes significant rest. So I think for me, the rhythm of Sabbath has been built into the creation of all things from the very beginning. And human beings not only get the benefit of the model of rest that God showed us, but we get to benefit from the same type of refreshment that he got as well. We remember the work that could only be done by his hand alone. So that doesn't just affect us on one day a week taking a break. As a matter of fact, that can be infused into all of our thinking, realizing our identity, our worth, our value are not found in what we make or what we produce, Mm -hmm. but ultimately whose we are. And uh, that is a gift to all of us that if we're not careful, we'll miss here on earth, even as followers of the way of Jesus. Yeah. I think about even the interconnectedness of all of life um, with the land. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's interconnection between humans. There's interconnection with God and people. There's also interconnection between God and the land and people in the land. And there's this beautiful quote that I love that says, a ground that has not lain fallow cannot bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just so true yeah. uh, for us as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, CZ, the center is hosting a retreat in September that we're all looking forward to. It's called Nourish, and it's inviting weary justice workers to come and rest. What in in what you've seen, what what is the unique weariness that those who are at the intersection of spiritual formation and, and the work of justice, what, what are they experiencing and what's unique to that weariness? Yeah, uh, there was a quote from Mother Teresa that really summarizes what I feel like so many uh, justice workers that I have conversations with experience. She said, pray for me that I not loosen my grip on the hand of Jesus, even under the guise of the ministry to the poor. And basically what she was saying is pray that I not do a bunch of Jesus stuff without Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the function of what it takes to do the work that we are doing, which is good work inherently, uh, can take over and become almost an autopilot type of situation. We know how to do the things that are necessary to be done. Uh, But there's a set of verses in Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And I think sometimes uh, with good intentions, we attempting to do good work for God are not doing that work with God. And uh, it happens uh, subtly. It happens uh, inadvertently. And I think sometimes, uh, especially those who are inundated with challenges on a daily basis that are extremely heavy to carry, like our justice workers, uh, that is something that can uh, almost feel like it's optional (laughs) that you would find some sort of respite and rest in the midst of your work. But we all know uh, it will not sustain unless it's connected to the source of life. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Um, I'm thinking about uh, just as we sort of shift a little bit and turn toward wrapping up our time together, we like to ask our guests, what are some of the categories around formation 
justice and even peace that uh, are not part of the conversation? What are some of the questions that maybe we as individuals or as a community could or should be asking? Yeah, I think uh, we just kind of touched a little bit on what I feel like is the biggest one. We very seldom think about sustainability and longevity when we enter into the type of work uh, that we do. Uh, There is an acute awareness of desperate need, and we want to jump in with both feet to serving uh, people, communities that are under-resourced, underrepresented, are voiceless. There's an urgency, uh, a rightful urgency to uh, show up to that type of work. We want to spend ourselves for the sake of others. And I think it's exactly what uh, the way of Jesus informs uh, about our lives. But with that, uh, there's a phrase that I try to utter to myself semi-regularly, and it's that God provides what he requires. And I think sometimes there's, uh, again, a a venturing into uh, good uh, biblical work with great intentions but we forget to grab some of the stuff (laughs) along the way that will give us uh, the ability to continue on for the foreseeable future. Uh, One of the things when you talk about the intersection of formation and justice work uh, that we really don't think a lot about is even in our practices, uh, we don't think about sustainability. We grab what we get when we can. Uh, We'll grab a vacation, maybe a a sweet run of seven or 10 days of solid reading and Bible time, but uh, we almost gorge (laughs) on those moments and we try to eat as much as we can and store for the winter. (laughs) Uh, We don't stop and look at what can I do for the foreseeable future that will afford me regular intervals of of respite, renewal, because we know, uh, like we talked about earlier, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And uh, when I think about the marathon analogy, uh, I've done it a couple times. Uh, I'm not a great runner, <laughs> but one of the greatest gifts to me in the middle of a marathon is those tables that have water and oranges and little uh-huh. gel packs or whatever mm-hmm. they got. I'll take whatever you got because <laughs> I just need something to yeah. keep me going. And if there wasn't these little pit stops, uh, I would fade yeah. and probably drop and somebody be waiting at the finish line for me. I'd never show up. You yeah. know and I think yeah. that happens sadly to so many of our justice workers. They're giving their all, hoping to make it to the end and really with no respite along the way, we'll mm-hmm. end up kind of fading. You know, I imagine, CZ, that in your work, you find yourself in a lot of dark spaces with people and um, really difficult places with them. And I also imagine that those are some of the most holy moments that you get to experience with people. So for you, what are you seeing? What are you encouraged by, either through your work or outside of your work? What, what's encouraging you where you're seeing God at work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if I was to summarize my ministry philosophy, it would be simple, small, and slow. Mm, And I think there are um, beautiful benefits to operating according to that timeline Mm -hmm. uh, with that type of scale in mind, but there are also inherent challenges that come with it. I think one of those challenges 
is uh, seldom when you're in those deep, dark moments, mm -hmm. do you see uh, the immediacy of a return of investment right. or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that type of thing. But the beauty is in tilling the soil. I, I think there really is something to be said about, um, you know, I, I think when we think about breakthrough, that word is one that we throw around like faith spaces and churches and things like that. Uh, there's one thing uh, that comes to mind for most people with breakthrough. And that's like coming up out yeah. of the ground. It's a uh, flower uh, blooming, you know, it's new growth. But another way to look at breakthrough is the other way. It's going down and breaking through hard terrain. And I think for me, the gift is more that than anything else. I feel like the things that I'm seeing as victories or wins are probably more around that kind of breakthrough where what has been hard and uh, definitely solid for a long time, starting to tenderize and maybe there's some uh, op openings, uh, some cracks in the surface in order for water to get in so that new life can, can yeah. birth. Yeah, and I think so often people forget that in order for something to sprout through the dirt, it must survive the long winter. And in order to do that, it has to go deep. Um, and sort of just transitioning a little bit, would love to hear from you about your new organization, your new nonprofit called Find Rest. Could you give us a little tidbit about what, what you're doing in that sphere? I already told you what my one thing I'm not good at is, and yet it's just <laughs> here at the very end of our time. So yeah, we're I, promoting you, Cece. We are, yeah. We're doing it. <laughs> so you just go. <laughs> you just talk about what you want to talk about. No, I'm I'm really excited, and I feel like I have such a strong sense of why behind it that it really does make me excited to talk about the what of it. Um, I, Ultimately, just to kind of summarize, even getting to this place, I feel like I arrived at a spot where uh, I was in so many conversations with folks who either had come across my book or I was just talking about what, what I'd learned in my own season of growth. And um, they would say things like, I resonate so much with what you're talking about. The only problem is I still work at a church or I still lead a nonprofit or I'm still an executive director or I'm on a board. And uh, I don't really know where to turn to process some of these things. And so immediately I kicked into gear trying to be a proxy to places of uh, growth and learning, You know, connect them with friends maybe that I had learned from or books that I'd read. But one of the things that I started to discover is uh, there was this middle space. It wasn't necessarily uh, always going to be a, a getaway to a beautiful landscape for a retreat, or maybe it wasn't even an intensive counseling situation for five days. Maybe it was just about having some intentional conversations, a place to process about what uh, you're experiencing and feeling, yeah. uh, be able to pour back into those conversations, some restorative language and conversation. And uh, from there, be able to, you know, redirect yeah. and, and maybe uh, put hands in hands of others where help can be found. So um, I started this ministry called Find Rest, and it really is with that intention. Uh, three kind of concentric circles at the center is a hope to have one-on-one -on -one conversations and people who are experiencing uh, spiritually depleted seasons. Uh, the second ring would be smaller groups of people, some cohorts of 
like-minded individuals from different spheres and spaces that might be experiencing burnout or disillusionment or, or want to even stave it off. Yeah. And then the third ring is creating resources to be able to pour into uh, communities. And my primary focus, honestly, around this conversation are communities that are under-resourced. Uh, and really, I'm a biracial individual and people of color are not really uh, in abundant conversation around self-care, soul care, and trying to look at sustainability and longevity uh, by default. It's not to say that it's not present, but I really want to fight for access to these resources for all people. Yeah. Yeah. i let you take that Well, one. we want to know, CZ, where are you finding rest currently? Because that's a big thing that you're doing that we're mm-hmm. super grateful for. As someone in ministry who's benefited from your care, you know, it is a really great thing that you're doing. And so as as someone who who carries the weary, who carries the brokenhearted to Jesus, where are you finding rest? Yeah. Well, number one, I have to say my wife is a gift. Uh, she is aware of the need for stewardship of Uh, a life that is given over to carrying heavy Mm -hmm. uh, conversations. And so she is very gracious in helping me to find space. Uh, I love to read and reading for me is um, salve (laughs) to many wounds at times. Uh, It it provides water in dry spaces. Uh, I have friends who I am able to have uh, beautiful life-giving conversations with both locally and then also uh, from afar. Um, And I love to run. I alluded to it earlier. That's a gift to me as well to kind of get out in nature a little bit and uh, get some fresh air. And and I feel like just, uh, like I said, it's not really uh, a desperate need for one large thing to be the uh, respite that I need, but finding regular intervals to check in with myself, with others, to make sure that I'm uh, living in a sustainable way. Yeah, I love just the idea of rhythms, having rhythms um, that create momentum and create sustainability Mm -hmm. in the midst of the practice themselves. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And it's been so nice to talk to you today and I'm looking forward to nourish. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Thanks for having me. We were really excited that when we found out we were getting to talk with you and the work that you do is so important. And as someone who's not good at self-promotion, I would tell anybody to entrust some care with you because you're really great at what you do. So thank you for what you're doing. And we really trust God in you, CZ. Man, that means a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to Peace Talks, a production of the Center for Formation, Justice, and Peace. Each episode is produced on Yuchi, Cherokee, and Shawnee land by Britt Simmons and Creative Means. If you're enjoying Peace Talks, we'd invite you to follow us on social media at CenterFJP or visit our website, centerfjp.org. Grace and peace. Peace.